Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! guys welcome back to wrestle rant radio for thursday november 11 2021 11 11 21 here today days out from aw full gear we're gonna have full predictions for the pay-per-view coming up at the end of today's show before then we're talking raw nxt and dynamite per usual with mr marceau brother how you doing doing well gsm how are you Doing great. I mean, speaking of full gear, you're coming down or up or up down. I'm not exactly sure how it works out. From Mass to Connecticut, joining us for full gear on Saturday. Very much looking forward to seeing you again, brother. Can't wait. So it's a busy Mr. Marceau pack schedule right now because we just, you know, hung out for Dynamite. We caught up on Dynamite Live uh, a couple of weeks ago. We gave the on-site report there. You were at Raw last week. Um, didn't see you then, but I did catch you at Dynamite. You're coming up on Saturday, catching full gear. Survivor, stu- uh, Survivor Series still a possibility if the option presents itself next weekend for you? Still open. Still open. Okay, so I should have an update soon. We'll see. Uh, Kids getting an overload of Mr. Marceau now. <laughs> overload? I can never get too much Mr. Marceau. I look forward to that as well. A little mixture of AEW and WWE, never a bad thing. But have you been to Survivor Series before? I forget. I have not, I don't believe. I don't no. think so. You weren't at the shit show in Boston in 2013, <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. Kid loves going back to the show. <laughs> I was not. Uh, that was when WWE was like starting to like get a little bit better. So I don't. I think I was like at that point, I was like, eh, I don't want to go. I Where think, was it school? I think it was at Endicott, so it was like one of those weird things like... Yeah, I was going to say, you were a sophomore at that point. I was I was at Endicott, too, and that was one of the reasons why I almost did go. It just didn't work out well timing-wise, because I think Thanksgiving was like that weekend or something. But um, if it's not this year, there's always next year. They're back in Boston in November of 2022, so I look forward to that as well. Uh, I'm just taking L's left and right here. Did you see the Seth Rollins tweet from the other day? The guy owned me. <laughs> I loved it. I died laughing. <laughs> That was fantastic, and that was after they announced the Survivor Series teams for this year's men's and women's Raw versus SmackDown matchup. The entire build for the pay-per-view, Mr. Marceau, despite five hours of television on Raw and SmackDown, is occurring on social media, on Twitter specifically. So that's what we're going to start off with here in a moment. New episodes of the show available every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. You can like the show or rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show for new episodes every single Thursday. It's a bit of a busy schedule right now between today, we're talking full gear at the end, like I said, Next week, we're not only reviewing Full Gear, but also previewing Survivor Series. So it's going to be a busy next couple of weeks, and then Thanksgiving in two weeks. I think Thanksgiving's in two weeks from today, Mr. Marceau. Can you feel the excitement for the uh, one of the best holidays of the year? Can't wait for Turkey Day. Big fan. Big fan of Turkey Day. Very underrated. I look forward to it myself. But let's get into these teams from Survivor Series. So we literally, Mr. Marceau, again, always happens. We always do our you know show and whatnot. 
on Thursdays, mere hours after we get done speaking, something breaks. We'll talk about the releases in a moment, but I do want to get to the teams real quick as this pertains to the you know raw review and everything else we're going to be talking about here today. Uh, but we just got done ranting about the lack of build, the abysmal build from what we've gotten of the build for a Survivor Series on the show last week. And then they go ahead and announce the teams on Twitter. Are you one of those people that's more so frustrated like me? Like, why the fuck would you do this on social media? Or do you fall in the camp of people that are like, listen, I don't give a fuck at this point. It is what it is, which I saw a lot of this past week, which both both ways is fine. Um, but I was curious what your thoughts were on them announcing the teams for Survivor Series on all things being Twitter when they could have just done it on Raw two days later. Just lazy at this point. I mean... Survivor Series used to be like what I would consider a big four pay for you now. I mean, it still is a big deal, but the whole brand supremacy stuff is just terrible. And they just, they really need to change what it is because it used to be a great show and now it's just meh. And this build is just lazy. And like you said, they have five hours of television. They could easily do qualifying matches, make people interested in the show. And so they just slapped on Twitter on like a Saturday or whatever they did it at three o'clock. And oh, yep, this is on the teams. And like, no qualifier on why they're on the team or how they got in there. It just, it was dumb. And then they already switched someone on Monday night. So just classic WWE being lazy. <clears throat> yeah. Classic WWE here with the way they made the teams on Twitter of all places. Like I said, um, like, like you said, the worst part about it <clears throat> was the fact that there was no criteria as to why they were added. No real reason as to why who's on what team, but they did announce it on Saturday at like 3 PM, which was just, ridiculous but it is what it is at this point i just i just don't really understand um and these matches do have potential i think both matches for the men and the women do look like they have a lot of promise but you know we're a week out from the pay-per-view we're speaking on thursday about 10 days out specifically from the show um the worst part about it is that we don't have the complete card announced yet and the show's next weekend we only have one more week left of you know shows left we have smackdown on friday this week but you know, Raw and SmackDown next week, and then that's it. We don't know what the rest of the card is consist of is going to consist of, and that includes the mid-card title match. We don't know if we're getting Nakamura and Damian Priest. It's a safe bet that we probably are, but I think Damian Priest either tweeted about it or did an interview, I forgot which, but I saw the headline that Damian Priest said that he doesn't know what he's doing at Survivor Series. He was never told. As of this moment, he doesn't know what he's doing at the pay-per-view, which, if you're a champion, how would you not know? Like, why would the company not tell you? Which, to me, makes no sense. Um, but clearly, they're going to make more matches official in the days to come, which is why we're saving the predictions for next week. But let's look at these teams real quick. So, for Team Raw on the men, uh, we got Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Rey Mysterio, and the spot that was once accompanied or uh, occupied by Dominic, uh, yeah, Dominic Mysterio, has now since been taken by the returning Bobby Lashley, who beat Dominic for the spot on Monday's Raw. Uh, they're going to be taking on Team SmackDown: Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy, King Woods, Sami Zayn, and Happy Corbin. Now I talked a little bit about this on hashtag on Wednesday, but to me, Mr. Marceau, some notable names in there, you know, multiple former world champions. To me, this feels like a total mismatch in favor of Team Raw. Team SmackDown is good. I like Woods, but in no way in hell I do I think he's going to be the last one standing. Uh, same with Zayn or Corbin. I feel like this is a complete, as of right now, unless they change who's on what team, uh, this is a total dominant win for Monday nights. Yeah, Monday Night Raw is absolutely stacked. I mean, it's yep. literally all champions, um, all people that are, have been relevant lately. I mean... I, I don't mind Team Raw because I think they're good, but Team SmackDown, holy hell. It's like, it's like mid-card or under-mid-card city plus Drew. I mean, I like Jeff Hardy, but he hasn't been relevant forever. 
Um, Happy Corbin's a mid-card guy. King Woods, I mean, he's winning lately, but he's a mid-card guy. I mean, Sami Zayn, I'm just, I mean, he's just getting punked out by Hit Row. I mean, the team is just a joke, and I, I don't really get why their Raw is so stacked compared to SmackDown, but it is the way it is. Yeah, I mean, I guess they could surprise us with a SmackDown win, but as of right now, I see no scenario as to why Team Raw would win over Team SmackDown. Unless Rollins and Owens factor each other out because Owens and Rollins have had beef lately or whatever the reason, I'm not sure, because we always have this dumb shit as to why they're even fighting in the first place. Woods even acknowledged that on Twitter the other day. I think Rollins and, and Woods were going back and forth about it, um, about why the matches are even happening, what's on the line here, which is nothing, so I'm glad they acknowledged that. I think it was Ricochet who actually tweeted... I thought we used to hold qualifying matches for this thing, and that got a lot of traction too, which was funny. Uh, for the women's teams, we got for Team Raw, Bianca Belair. They didn't name anyone as the captain, but I assume she's the captain. Bianca Belair for Raw, Rhea Ripley, one half of the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, of course. Liv Morgan, Carmella, and Queen Zelina. So we have one half of the tag team champs, but not the other, which makes no sense. And one of the, I, I'm not a big Nikki Ash fan. You're a bigger Nikki Ash fan than I am, but. She's also a former Raw Women's Champion, so why wouldn't she be on the team instead of Carmella or even Zelina in that case? But nonetheless, SmackDown has Sasha Banks, Shayna Baszler, Shotzi, Natalia, and you're my favorite, Aaliyah, made the team over Tony Storm, Naomi, and whoever else is on SmackDown. Naomi, I understand with the Sonya storyline. Tony Storm getting slighted for a spot over fucking Aaliyah is just. I, I can't even bring myself to complain because I just. It's it's amazing. I, I can't even bring myself to defend that decision or argue against it or whatever because it's incredibly stupid. But uh, talk to me a little bit about the women's teams, Mr. Marceau. Who you see standing out here, and if it's a bit of a mismatch as well here for Team Raw over Team SmackDown. Definitely a mismatch again. I mean, Raw's pretty stacked. Um, so, I mean, Carmella and Zelina, they've been pushed a lot lately, so I can see why they're both on the, on the Raw team. Rhea's great. Bianca's great. And who else is on Raw? Uh, Morgan, and you mentioned Morgan. Oh, yeah, Liv Morgan's the number one contender for the championship. Makes sense to put her on the team. SmackDown, I think the SmackDown's like the top stars are great. You got Sasha, Shayna, um, and I mean, Shotzi's kind of getting in that point. But Aaliyah, like, honestly, what is going on? And is Natalia on Team SmackDown? Yep. Jesus Christ. I mean, I like Natalia, but it's just like. She's just at that point. It's just like the go away heat at this point. Like I just don't care at this point. I like I don't understand. Like she's been the same character forever. She's like basically like Tamina 2.0. <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't get Tamina on Team Raw to have that face off because oh, she God. got drafted to Raw. They got separated. So I was a little surprised. Hey, I'm pleasantly surprised, but I'm a little surprised by that. Do you think the fact that we have Rhea on Team Raw but not Nikki is a sign that Carmella and Zelina might win the women's tag titles before the pay per view because they did beat the champions about a week or two ago on the show. Yeah, probably. That would seem to make the most sense. But yeah, they won when I was at. Uh, yes, uh, that's what it was. Yeah, last Monday. Yep, and uh, there was no follow up with that this week. But we'll talk about Monday's Raw. I thought it was a good show again. Um, I I never really put those words in the same sentence usually. Good show and Raw, but a lot like when you went last week, I thought this was another largely enjoyable show. The biggest problem with Raw right now, I feel, is that. There's just not a lot of things worth sinking your teeth into as far as like stuff to get excited about or really be invested in or interested in or whatever. Um, there's some stuff. I think what they're doing with Biggie is WWE champion. He's got challengers coming from all directions. I like that. Um, the brooding or now impending feud between Liv Morgan and Becky Lynch. I like the idea of that. It looks like they might be doing something with Bianca beyond the title picture. 
Again, like that. Uh, we'll talk about the Dewdrop stuff in a second. The show really... It, the well runs dry beyond that. I love RK-Bro. They don't really have any compelling challengers right now. I don't give a fuck about the Dirty Dogs. AJ Nomas has been done to death. Um, maybe the Survivor Series season, the fact that it is Survivor Series time is you know to blame for that, maybe. But then again, I look at this show and I'm like, why did we get more 24-7 championship bullshit? Why did we get this? Why did we get that? But again, I thought overall it was a good show. Um, let's talk about the biggest story coming out of the show to start this off. I won't go in order of what happened on the show, but... Kevin Owens, did he turn heel? Did he not turn heel? He had a match with Seth Rollins in the main event. Quality contest per usual from those two. They could fight in their sleep at this point. Uh, Rollins winning by countout after Big E kind of got in the way. Owens snaps afterward and goes after Big E. So, to me, this seemed like a heel turn. It wasn't like he pushed Big E. It wasn't like last week when Big E laid out Owens. He hit him with his finisher and that was it. No, Owens went all out and just snapping on Big E. He was extremely frustrated with the way he's been losing lately and losing a lot lately. And just, you know, whatever, uh, not being trusted. And he gave them a reason to not be trusted by attacking Big E. So um, that was the ending to Raw. Very interesting. I thought it was a well-done angle. Owens is at his best as a, as a heel. I just thought the way they kind of fucked up his character arc as a babyface. And, and I just wasn't a big fan of that. But talk to me about Owens. We all know he's probably on his way out in the coming months. But what were your thoughts on his, you know, heel turn, not heel turn that we saw at the end of Raw this week? No, I think it's great. Like you said, I, I think he is a lot better as a, as a heel. I mean, he's decent as a face, but uh, his whole mentality is kind of, since NXT, Like I feel like he was always just a lot better as a heel. So I, I would say this is more of a heel turn than what Big E did. I mean, Big E just hit him with this finisher, like Owens like snapped and like beat the shit out of him. So, I, I, And if he's on his way out, I mean, I'd kind of be surprised they're even putting him on TV. So maybe they know something we don't. I don't know. I feel like... Most of the time when these people are going to leave or their contracts expiring and they don't think they're going to stay, they usually, at least on the main roster, they just kind of beat him off TV. So we'll see. But, I mean, I do think he's going to leave after his contract's up. But maybe if, since they're using him, maybe he can get good gracious. I'm not real sure. But um, I like it. I think he's a good, better heel and he's a good challenger for Big E and so is Rollins. So it makes the title picture uh, pretty interesting. Well, they tend to do one of two things. It's either they put you on TV and give you a big push in hopes that you'll resign, or they don't put you on TV, book you a lot to lose, book you to lose a lot, and that's kind of how you leave or if you're even on the show at all. That's what they did with Ambrose. Ambrose, I feel like they knew he wasn't going to resign, which is why they even they have never done this before. They haven't done it since. But with Dean Ambrose, now John Moxley... They put out that statement months before his contract expired. His contract expired in late April. They put out a statement in late January, three months in advance, because I think he made it very clear that no matter what they did, even minutes to midnight, which is what they do with some of these people, that's why Punk resigned. Punk resigned the day that his contract re, you know, expired back in 2011. Ambrose made it very clear months out that he was not staying. So they put that statement out. People was were aware that he was exiting the company, and they booked him to lose a lot, and he was still on the show for you know, the better part of that time. And um, that's basically what happened. I feel like they're doing something similar with Owens. They're not outright saying that he's leaving because they don't know yet for a fact. There is a good chance he still stays. I maintain that. I still think he's leaving. But I also think there's a chance, a very good chance he could stay. Uh, Just because he hasn't been booked terribly. Like, he's had a lot of success in WWE. I just feel like he would want to leave to be with his friends and just get some fresh competition or whatever. But nonetheless, and he probably also feels limited to a certain degree in WWE as far as what he can do creatively. But I do like what they're doing with him, presumably on the way out. Uh, You know, Rollins already earned his opportunity at Big E in the WWE Championship. 
how do you see Owens factoring into this? Do you think it's, we get Rollins and Big E on Raw one of these weeks, and then we get a triple threat at day one? How do you see this playing out as far as those three WWE title challengers? I mean, it seems like they're all intertwined at this point. So, I mean, I wouldn't hate a triple threat at uh, day one. I think that's pretty, pretty interesting. Like I said, maybe you could have Rollins and Big E on Raw. Like, Owens gets involved and, like, Big E retains. So then there's still a reason why you keep Rollins in there. And then you just intertwine them all together. So, I mean, I think that would be a good main event. I like all three guys and should be a good one. Yeah, I think it'd be a nice use of Owens on the way out. I mean, he, he hasn't been completely out of the world title picture in recent years. I mean, he had that very lengthy feud with Roman Reigns earlier this year, late last year, for the Universal Championship. And, you know, they had great matches. So, um, if he's being used as kind of a stepping stone of sorts on his way out, I have no issue with that. It's better than him not being on the show at all, because Raw could certainly use someone of his caliber. Um, speaking of, you know, Big E, again, like I said, he has challengers coming from all angles right now, including Chad Gable and Otis. Alpha Academy has been featured more on Raw than they were on SmackDown in their final months on the show. Um, I enjoyed Big E and Gable, and this is Gable's second straight week where he had a strong single showing against the top star. Last week it was Balor, this week was Big E. They're clearly teasing Big E and, and Otis against each other. But I like this new use of Gable. I don't think it's going to be going anywhere. I don't think he's going to be pushed to any certain important degree. But I think it's cool that he's been getting on the show consistently, having a chance to have very good matches in short frames of time, mind you. Um, but I think it's cool he's getting opportunities to shine on the show, though. Yeah, I think Gable's been great. I mean, the whole Alpha Academy, I think, is a great idea. I uh, love Otis, and since he lost the briefcase, he literally hasn't done too much. So, um, like him with Gable, I like the new serious Otis, like... The, the shaved head with the fucking singlet. I love that. And Gable's great in the ring, so they definitely should focus on him more. And clearly he can show in the ring that he can go. I just feel like he just needs more of a character arc. I feel like that's kind of holding him back just a little bit. But him and Otis have been great. Yeah, I think they've been very much exceeding expectations because we've seen Gable on a lot of teams, from Jason Jordan to Bobby Roode to Shelton Benjamin to now Otis. He's done a lot of the tag team stuff. So I'm glad he's branching out and still doing the tag team stuff, but also having more singles showings as well. I think that's cool that they're giving him that opportunity. Um, another thing from Raw that I wanted to discuss, Bobby Lashley being back. We already discussed Team Raw being set in stone, Lashley being on the team, but he returned on Raw this week, took Dominic's uh, Mysterio spot from him, and um, he's back on Raw now for the first time since before Crown Jewel. I thought this was a great return for Bobby Lashley. This was not a competitive match by any means. Bobby completely killed Dominic. He was made to look like a killer for the first time in a while since probably before he lost the WWE Championship. And he brought MVP back with alongside him. I mean, we haven't seen MVP in close to two months since Bobby lost the WWE Championship in September. So I thought it was a great return for Bobby, and I think it bodes well for his future Beyond Survivor Series, hopefully giving him something to do um, once that pay-per-view is come and gone. Oh, it was great to see the Almighty back. I mean, him and MVP were great. Um, him just beating the shit out of Dominic was what needed to happen. Honestly, I have no idea why Dominic was even on the team. I mean, that was like that's like a nepotism right there. If they're going to actually include him, and just like Ray, even Ray being on the stretch, I feel like he hasn't done a lot lately. But mm -hmm. at least he's got the legacy and has like the respect and the veteranness there. But Bobby just coming out and just pummeling Dominic was just what needed to happen. No, that was perfect. I'm glad Bobby's on the team. Uh, it came out this week from, I think, Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men podcast reporting that they are going forward with the Mysterio split, which we all saw coming because they've been teasing it forever. Uh, your thoughts on that? We haven't really talked a lot about the Mysterios and their split and Dominic turning on him or whatever and how they might handle it. 
I mean, it, it, it makes sense. I'm not a big, big fan of it just because I'm not sure how convincing of a heel Dominic can be. He's still trying to find his footing on, like, the mic and as a character. I still feel like the Mysterios as a tag team are the way to go for right now. But what are your thoughts on that? How do you think they might handle Are you looking forward to that at all? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I feel like Dominic, just, like, on his own, I just I just don't see anything right now. I feel like he does need more seasoning. I just, like, don't think he'd be convincing on the mic. I just, and there's just, I don't know. I just, don't, I, I'm not a big Dominic fan, anyways. I feel like th- there's more longevity with them as a team, and him. So I feel like if you split them up and then they just never get back together, Dominic is like gets his future endeavors in the next year or two. I just, I don't see anything special with him just right yet, at least. And him as a heel, like, there's really no reason to turn out. I, I just feel like there's no, like they've been teasing tension, but there really isn't like a story on why he would do it. I guess is my my point. I think I asked this question last year after the Rollins feud was over, but do you think he could benefit from a return to NXT? Not, not even a return, he was never there, but do you think he could benefit from a run in NXT now that it's NXT 2.0, focusing on the younger people? Do you think he could use that by any chance? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the issue with uh, going back to NXT, I feel like a lot of the time it, just, it is like it's a step back, and especially if you go down to NXT and you're not doing anything, that's like a huge step back. I mean, Mandy Rose, I mean, she's definitely made the most of her opportunity going mm-hmm. back down to NXT. But, I mean, some people do go down to NXT and they just don't get that shot. Like, Amber Moon's a perfect example. Um, I mean, Zack Ryder, when he was down there, I mean, he didn't really do too much. I just, I feel like once you go down, it is just kind of like a backtrack and definitely doesn't help you. I mean, he is younger. He definitely could use the seasoning. But I just feel like once you get called up and you go down, the chance of you succeeding is, like, very minimal. Yeah, that's if they yeah. want him. Even that's if they even want him back down. Yeah, no, I'm not saying. Yeah, I'm not saying that they would want him, but just I don't know if he would benefit more so than like I'm thinking. If they split off from each other, how much of a future does this kid have on his own on Raw? Especially with someone like an Austin Theory on the same show. I mean, Austin no, Theory. You know, he's around the same age. They're pushing him right now. He's doing very well for himself. I feel like if they split up the Mysterios and Dominic was on his own as a heel, I feel like we already have that role kind of occupied by Austin Theory. And he just wouldn't really... He would get lost in the shuffle and end up on main event. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. I don't, like I said, that's why I, I don't want them to split up just yet because I feel like he'd be doomed. Exactly. I don't know. I would wait a little bit longer on that. Maybe they can wait until... I mean, it's still too soon, but I could see them having a one-on-one match if they really wanted to do it at WrestleMania. A lot like Eddie and Ray from WrestleMania 20... Whatever that was. 50, uh, 21. 21. Oh. 2005. Yeah. And a great opener. You could do something similar to that. Maybe have him win the Raw tag team titles on it. I just don't see a future for Dominic right now on his own on Raw. Especially with how star-studded the show currently is. Um, talking about the women's division real quick. Liv Morgan becoming the new number one contender to the Raw Women's Championship. Winning a fatal five-way over Carmella, Queen Zelina, uh, Rhea Ripley, and Bianca Belair. Well worked overall. Morgan was the right winner. They teased her challenging Becky last week. So not much of a surprise here, but... You know, they could have had Rhea win. She is a big star on that show still. Bianca could have earned another opportunity. Carmella and Zelina have been pushed a lot lately. So any one of these women could have won. I'm glad it was Morgan. I don't think Morgan should win the Raw Women's Championship. But as someone, and I've, you know, we've spoken about this before. I've never been the biggest Liv Morgan fan. It never really was. She's really grown on me in the last year. Um, especially being on her own since Ruby Ride, unfortunately, got released. She's really come into her own as an in-ring worker. I think she's gotten a lot better. Um, she's really connected with the audience, and you know, having seen the match now that we've spoken, you know, I know you talk, you texted me about it last week, but you know, I watched the match with her and Tamina on main event last week, a much better match than I was expecting, and you had a lot of praise for it, but I wasn't sure until I watched it. 
it was a good match, and the crowd was fucking loud. Liv Morgan, you can attest this if you if you want to, if it's true, but it sounded like Liv Morgan got a louder reaction than most people at Raw last week, and I just feel like she's that popular, so I wouldn't put the championship on her quite yet, but she's one of those quiet success stories of someone I feel like has really done very well for herself and exceeded expectations in the last year or so. No, she's been great, and like you said, I thought she was the match right before Raw started. They were the match leading into Raw, and I mean, there was a good amount of people there, I mean, and I, I thought she did, like you said, she got a hell of a reaction. People were definitely into her, like, they were more into her, like, as a baby face, like, getting, putting support behind her than most of Raw, like, any of the baby faces, like, clapping, like, cheering, like, she was over, and, and I can see why, and like you said, she's improved a hell of a lot since her NXT days, um, and I don't think she should beat Becky, but maybe playing the seeds to maybe a future a future championship win, but I, I think she's done great for herself. Yeah, she's a great underdog. She fills that role well, and um, yeah, her mic skills have improved too. I've seen her cut a couple of promos. She cut one, I think, after Raw this week addressing Becky Lynch, and it was either on their YouTube channel or on Raw Talk. I forgot where I saw it, but it was a very good promo, so um, we'll see how that pans out. I assume they probably save Morgan and Becky for the day one pay-per-view, right? Or do you think they'll do it before then? Uh, I would save it for day one. Yeah, if possible, that, Rollins and Big E, or if it includes Owens, I guess, too, I would do that at the pay-per-view itself. It is two months away, but you know, I, I think they can manage. Uh, thoughts on the Dewdrop heel turn, too. She turned heel, seemingly, in the middle of the match, attacking Bianca. I like it as a way for Bianca to get away from the title picture for a while and for her to be doing something. Um, I would love if this meant the Dewdrop either goes back to being Piper Niven or just drops the whole dance gimmick, because it has been a, just absolutely terrible since she started doing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole Dewdrop stuff has been awful, so hopefully this can set her away from that. Like I said, I, I mean, at that point, just turn her back. Just turn her fucking peel at this point. Go back to her real name. I thought it was great. Like you said, keep Bianca busy. I think I think Dewdrop is good on her own, so no reason to keep the dumb name, and I think she's great in the ring, and keep Bianca busy, and it's what we need. We, we complain about all the time that we need more... Uh, women feuds and this is what we're talking about exactly we're getting more women's feuds now we have on the secondary storyline on smackdown with sonya and naomi and i'm glad we're getting one on raw because it's very rare that we do i mean it is a little weird that we're getting feuds that don't involve the tag titles i mean they have a pair of fucking tag titles they haven't used in forever but hey i mean at least we're getting one storyline so i'm glad and it's a great use of bianca so again i thought it was a good show this week do you have any other overall thoughts on raw for monday no i thought that was another solid show yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, they don't do the greatest job of building up Survivor Series, which is coming up next weekend, but as the show itself, I thought it was more bearable than usual. You know, giving more time to the matches, which they can't do every week, which is why they need more compelling storylines. But, hey, for now, it's a nice it's a nice band-aid to put on the gunshot wound, so to speak, of uh, Raw's bleeding ratings and whatnot. Uh, talking about ratings and whatnot with NXT just kind of being in a state of, uh, I don't even know, Raw. NXT is what it is at this point. Um, I do want to mention this, probably the biggest thing coming out of the show Again, we won't go match by match because it was a lot of matches, a lot of segments on Tuesday. The return of War Games happening December 5th, I think it is. <clears throat> Sunday, December 5th. War Games coming back. Not under the TakeOver banner, though. TakeOver is no more, apparently. So that era is over. Um, ending at Wrestle or uh, TakeOver 36 over SummerSlam weekend, which was fantastic. So if we were going to get any final TakeOver, that was a good one. And it looks like we're moving forward without it. I am shocked, dude. They're actually doing war games because no storyline, maybe involving Toxic Attraction, maybe. But beyond that, no storyline on the show right now feels like it's 
justified and really warrants a War Games matchup, in my opinion. No, none of them do. I wouldn't even say anything with Toxic Attraction, though. I mean, they're kind of getting there a little bit, but not even. It just seems like more it's this time of the year, so when I roll out War Games, I mean, nothing for the men especially. Um, I don't know. It's just really random. It's like, so hopefully they'll turn this into like Hell in a Cell 2.0, which will probably be, but um, I'm not a big fan of it. They should just... When it's needed, bring it out. You don't have to bring it out because it's December or November or whatever. It just seems a little silly. I mean, honest question, though. We have the show coming up in three weeks, uh, this War Games special. Not even the War Games matches themselves. But, like, what in the way of feuds do we even have right now on NXT? They're clearly doing something with Carmelo and Johnny, which I like. Pete Dunne beat Carmelo in the show on the show this week in the main event, which was a great match. Maybe it's a triple threat. I don't know. So that's one. What else would you even do? I mean, the Cruiserweight title doesn't really have a feud right now. The tag titles, I guess, maybe Imperium, Kyle O'Reilly, and Von Wagner, which sounds fucking terrible. Um, but I guess that's an option. Maybe Mandy Rose and Io Shirai if they're not in a War Games match. I guess Kai and Gonzalez, too. I don't know, dude. I just feel like there's no reason. This is why I don't really like the idea of them doing more live specials, at least right now, because NXT 2.0 has been around for two months now, but we're still not fully established to the point where these guys and girls are ready, at least the majority of the roster, are ready for a live special and something I really look forward to, because there's really no feuds that can take place at this show. No, I completely agree. I think they're rushing it a little bit. I just, like you said, I don't think there's really much that there's there. There's not too many feuds developed. I mean, it seems a little premature, but I guess we'll let it ride and see what happens. But, I mean, besides Carmella, like you said, him and Gar- Johnny, possibly Pete Dunne. I mean, Mandy Rose and EO makes sense, and then Dakota and Raquel. But maybe we get Braun Breaker and Champa again. I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're, like you said, there's a lot of guys on the show that they keep putting out there, but it's not like they have set feuds or anything. It's like, there's nothing, like, they, need, they should have built up a little bit more, like, I don't know. There's just not a lot there, so they should have probably held off on this uh, special. Yeah, I would have waited until at least January. I feel like three weeks from now. I mean, they could always put a card together, obviously, but I don't know how strong it's going to be, especially with who they have on the show. Maybe, do you think it's possible that they're doing it as like a way to... I don't know, they want to get one more special in before the contracts of Gargano and O'Reilly expire? O'Reilly may not stay. Gargano probably is, but... It could be the end of an era if those two guys are both gone from NXT, two of their top baby faces on the show. Yeah, but I mean, I when I still we got put them with Vaughn. Like it's not like they're in big matches. Yeah, just, yeah. Nah. It's not like we're getting. If they had done Cole and O'Reilly on that show, <clears throat> and then both guys like left at the same time, that would have been that would have been cool. But Cole's already gone, and O'Reilly's still here, and he's not doing anything of importance at all. It's just I don't know. It, it feels like it's no man's land right now with NXT as far as what they're doing with which people. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm just looking at Tuesday's show. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm dying over here, but I'm looking at Tuesday's show, and I thought there was another point I wanted to bring up to you, but I don't remember what it is. But any other overall thoughts on NXT right now, and if you're digging anything or what you're liking from the show, if anything, or anything from Tuesday's show specifically? I mean, Toxic Attraction's clearly the focus of the show. I mean, they've been great, all three of them. I mean, if anyone said, what, what, do you, what would you take out of every episode of NXT is how much of a rocket are up all three of their asses right now. I mean, it, I think it's, it, it makes sense. I mean, they're all good. They've been all very well. Um, Mandy's kind of coming into her own a little bit. I think the group definitely helps her. I think Dolan and, and Jane have been great and they clearly are the focus point. I feel like they're on every show. They're usually on the top of the hour. Um, 
I mean, I like Braun Breaker, but I mean, this, the name's pretty stupid. We really haven't got too much more kind of caring about him, but I think he's been pretty good. Um, Carmelo Hayes has been great. I mean, I'd, I'd point him out. I like uh, the Usos' brother. I think he's he's shown pretty pretty well so far, and I think it's been pretty decent. But I mean, Dakota coming back and her and Raquel, like I'm interested a little bit, but I don't know. It's just like uh, is if if is that now with Dakota? Is it ever going to be there? Yeah. I just, kind of spinning her wheels unfortunately um yeah i mean then cora jade came back involved i like her a lot um but like clearly the stories for cal and dakota right now so we'll see but i think they're they do have like not an issue but there's like they're intertwining older people with newer people and then it seems like they're kind of trying to like break off the old people but then they incorporate new people it's kind of weird but i think the ones i kind of pointed out were definitely what are definitely I would say the reasons to watch. I mean, I don't hate Joe Gacy like you. I think I think he's good around the ring. I mean, the character's pretty dumb, but I think he's good enough in the ring enough to to put him on the TV every week. Not a recurring highlight yet, but I am really digging what I'm liking, what I'm seeing from uh, Solo Sequoia as well. Yeah, I mentioned him. I think he I think he's been great. Yeah, I think he's been good. Uh, Braun Breaker, obviously, you mentioned as well as someone to keep an eye out for. I got nervous watching the show on Tuesday. Maybe not nervous, but like. They showed video packages of Breaker and Ciampa competing in their recent uh, UK tour over in the UK with the Raw roster or the SmackDown roster. I'm not sure who exactly was on it. They showed footage of them facing, I think, Zayn in like a triple threat maybe. I don't remember, but they were both on the tour. Ciampa, not entirely surprising just because he's representing NXT, but Breaker was there as well. So I'm thinking, okay, um, do you think that's their way of experimenting with Breaker being in the main roster soon? Like, I feel like they might prematurely call him up in the near future. Now that we know Vince is aware of NXT, he's helping, you know, put NXT together. He's probably a big Braun Breaker fan. I don't know if it's too out of the realm of possibility that Breaker could get called up before he even has a chance to win the NXT championship. They might already be looking to call him up, and he, he might be one of those guys that's in the Rumble and gets called up soon after. No, I was going to say that. I saw, I saw the report that he was on the tour, and I was like, I mean, I think, not that he, I think he still probably needs more time, but like maybe they see like a John Cena esque in him. I don't know. I, I feel like he does have a good look. He's he's good in the ring enough, and I mean I think Vince sees clearly something in him, and I could definitely see him going to the main roster before he wins wins anything big in NXT. I just they kind of do need like a little bit new life and on the main roster, and I could see them just thrusting him in the sand. I'm bummed that um we didn't get Rick Steiner at Halloween Havoc, which apparently was the plan before he had to pull out. I mean, he was scared of Chucky, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I said, so it's probably the reason. Let's talk about Dynamite for Wednesday. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the show, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll get your thoughts right now, but I thought the show did a great job of doing a little bit of everything. Like, I know, for example, I wouldn't think that the... Leo Rush and Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, Lee Moriarty match would be for you specifically. It was more of a spot fest, spectacle. I loved it. Um, but the show had a little bit of everything. I thought, you know, Wardlow had his squash. I really, really liked, dude, the Pack and Dax Harwood match. Fucking hard-hitting, physical affair. Great shit there. Um, we got Store Island Progression, obviously, Build the Sunday, or Build the Saturday, rather. Video packages, a very good contract signing, I thought. Um, before we get into, like, the little bits and pieces here, and also a technical wrestling match, to start the show with Danielson and Rocky Romero. Um, I thought this show was very good as far as giving us a little bit of everything ahead of a pay-per-view. Um, but wait, what, tell me what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show, and overall thoughts about it before we get into any specifics here. 
No, like you said, I thought it was well, probably one of their better shows they've had in a while. I thought it had a little bit of everything. I mean, they thought they built built for the for the show coming up great. They had some some underneath matches that were great. I, like you said, I thought Harwood and um, Pack and Pack was great. I mean, mm-hmm. Dak's great, but I think they need to sing, like showcase his uh, his abilities a little bit more. I think he's great. Pack's been great as well. Um, even like you said, I, I'm not a big fan of, like the the spot fest, but. I thought Leo Rush and, and Dante Martin versus Lee Moriarty and, and Matt Sydal was good. I mean, that it's just kind of you just gotta like keep it like one or two a night. You can't have mm-hmm. everything. But that that was good. The contract signing was great. Um, Warlow squashing Wheeler Zudo. I mean, he botched the finish, but besides that, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, I mean, he hit him in like the stomach, but whatever. It's whatever. I like Warlow, so I let it slide. And then I love the everyone <laughs> like tease. And Bobby Fish, oh, inject that in my veins some yeah. more. Love that. I thought, like you said, I thought it was a good show, and they definitely had a little bit of everything there. I mean, the, the women's match was whatever. I mean, it wasn't the greatest match of all time, but it, it definitely served its purpose. And I think they finally did a pretty good build-up show, and kind of had. I mean, the ratings have been terrible lately, and I think they've usually had some pretty rough stuff in there. But uh, I thought I thought they did good on Wednesday night. How big of a babyface is Wardlow going to be? Uh, I don't know. It's it's. I think I think they hate MDF so much. I think he'll be fine. But I don't know. I feel like he just screams heel to me. But I think I think since he's facing MJF, if it eventually turns to MJF, I mean, he'll definitely get a babyface reaction. But I think in the long term, he just screams heel. I don't know. I get more of a Batista vibe from him than I do like a Brock Lesnar in the sense that I feel like I I, I get the MJF thing. Like he'll get cheered for that. But even without the MJF thing, I feel like he's getting cheered anyway. Like. Not that Yuta is the most popular babyface in the world, but this crowd was chanting for for Warlow to powerbomb him two or three different times. And I'm like, holy shit. Um, I thought that was great. I don't know. I feel like Warlow is going to be a big, big babyface in this company when the time comes. I, I don't know if I would do it at full gear per se, but it might be within the next year. And by next year, I think I would be more open to that idea of doing the turn. So we'll see. But you mentioned that. I forgot to talk about that. The Adam Cole and Bobby Fish tease. Now, was it just me, or did it feel like that segment? I know it set up the Friday match between Fish and Jungle Boy to weaken up, you know, soften up Jungle Boy before Saturday's six-man tag. I get that. But do you think that they're doing that? Um, The Fish and Cole thing, was I the only one that got a feeling that they might be setting up for more with those guys and Fish either joining them or Cole turning on the Elite and joining Fish beyond what we saw on Wednesday? Because it felt like it was the beginning of something a lot bigger. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it it seemed like it was more of like, he, not that he might not join them, but he might be more closely associated with them. And then maybe the closer association, they're letting their guard down and they turn on them. I, do you think that this is setting up something with Kyle if he were to come in? Because I feel like, again, well, like I tweeted, I feel like it's just too perfect to pass up to do an undisputed air. Versus... And what'd you say? <laughs> take my pants off and run it. <laughs> I just feel like, I don't know, Kyle O'Reilly's contract is coming up very, very soon. I love Cole. I just feel like he's. it makes sense for them to be with the Elite. I wouldn't do it long-term, though. I feel like once Omega loses the championship, which hopefully is on Saturday, I don't know. And, and you need something for Omega to do beyond full gear. I don't know. It's just weird. I also would have had Fisher, Cole, mention the fact, hey, like, Cole was the one who broke up on his speeded era. And they're not stupid. Like, people who watch this show, most people watch NXT. Most people know what went down. 
they usually do a better job of acknowledging stuff like that, but I feel like they might get around to explaining why fish and coal are cool. I mean, he didn't technically turn on fish because he wasn't there when he broke up with the group. He turned on Strong and O'Reilly, but not fish. So maybe that's the out there. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like that makes too much sense to not do, just to do those three against the Elite. And I feel like it would give the Elite something interesting to do beyond the tag title picture and beyond the world title picture. I don't know, man. I feel like that could be a revolution match or maybe even double or nothing. Oh, definitely. I feel like you could then do them, like you said, do a big match there, and then you can do, um, like, you could do Cole versus Omega, and then you can do Bucks versus O'Reilly and Fish as well. So I think that definitely could keep them busy out of the title picture and something interesting, unlike Dan Lambert versus fucking the Inner Circle. <laughs> Any thoughts in that segment? Awful. I need less of it. <laughs> I, I Jericho off TV for six months at least. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't taken any time off at all yet. And I like Jericho, but like <clears throat> this this whole feud is completely pointless. Um, I like Dan well, Lambert's. Been Anything he's done the last year has been awful. I just yeah, it's not tickling my fancy specifically, but that power bomb did not look good at all uh, from Lambert. <laughs> which I know is the point, but like I don't know. I don't know. I'm just not this whole thing. I I appreciate the. I thought it was a good segment because they got heat on the heels and whatever. And Inner Circle are clearly winning on Saturday. But as I've said before, I feel like the TNT title is a complete afterthought right now with it being around Sammy Guevara's waist. Why even take the belt off of Miro if Sammy wasn't going to go on to do anything notable? Stupid. why not? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. They should have just waited. They should have just waited to do the title change until after full gear, but they probably weren't expecting this. I don't know. I like Dan Lambert, but <clears throat> I, I, don't think it's a, I don't think it's a Dan Lambert or American Top Team issue, even though that's not exactly the greatest thing on the show. I think it's more of an inner circle thing. They've been around for two years. To me, they feel stale. They're still very much over. People love the Marks, love chanting Judas. And I mean, hey, I've been to the shows. I, I'm the same way. I get it. But just uh, Jericho's got to take time off, I feel. I feel like beyond full gear, what do you even do with him? <clears throat> I don't know. That's the thing. And then once, and then the other thing is once Lambert and American Top Team lose on Saturday night, then what do you do with the men of the year? It's not like Lambert has no stroke anymore because they just lost. So yep, yep. I feel like you're kind of killing <laughs> them off and then the inner circle needs a new makeup or, or something i mean just a break up at this point i mean they never really did anything as a team together that was notable anyways like jericho was champion that was two, when he two years group, ago and they haven't done anything of no i feel like they're holding back sammy holding back uh santana ortiz i mean hager needs jericho because he's as he's as bland as my white paint and wall right now but <laughs> and i just i need less jericho right now i just can't with him anymore I don't know, especially at a time, too, dude, where I know Moxley is taking time off right now, but you still have your Danielsons and your Punks and all these other people that aren't even sniffing TV. I mean, they're sniffing TV time. I'm talking about, like, the Cages and the Starks and the Archer. You got hurt a little what bit. Team Taz been? Do they, like, piss off Tony Khan? I haven't seen him on TV in weeks. Exactly. I haven't been on Teen... I know I saw him on Dark on Tuesday, but beyond that, I haven't seen him on Dynamite in forever. They did the Cage-Starks match, like, a month ago, and that was it. Cage isn't even on the show, so... Why even buy, Why would you break up Team Taz if no one involved in that angle is going to be on the show? Like, seriously, that makes no fucking sense. But hey, got to make time for Orange Cassidy. God, it's awful. It's stupid. Uh, what was the other thing I wanted to bring up to you? Yeah, I really liked the Pack and Harwood match. I, I thought that was, like, honestly, very, very good. Uh, Danielson and Romero was very good. Jericho, I thought there was something else. So we talked with the Elite and Undisputed Era. Oh, the, the contract signing. So we were talking to the Elite and Undisputed Era and whatever. And we talked about it before. I mean, you're, you you hate them far more than I do. But Omega as champion, I think he's had a great run. The character work, though, has been just fucking terrible as far as, like, the promos. And 
the guy's a goof, dude. He comes out, he dresses like a fucking moron, he he talks like a goof, it's all the ha-ha shit, which you want to do on Being the Elite, cool, brother, but, like, as far as the actual show goes, they do far too much of it. Them and the Bucks, him and the Bucks. But it's, it's, it's worse for Omega because he's the world champion. But I bring that up because I think he did a great job on Wednesday of finally showing a serious side, not being as goofy, you know, having a great promo exchange with Paige, who was great, too. Um, this is the Omega that we should have seen from the get-go, or at least in the build-up to this match. Why did it take them three days before the pay-per-view to finally get Omega Series? We should have seen this shit a long time ago. I was going to say, he did less of the phone sex voice this week, so that was good. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, like you said, why are you waiting so long to, to heat this up? I mean, I feel like this has been comedy-filled. That's my biggest issue with them, is I just feel like they always have their tongue in their cheek. They're always looking for the cheap pop all the time, and and just don't have time for that shit. But I mean, they might have turned me though. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reveal my prediction. But I mean, I feel like going in, I thought Omega was gonna win. But after the contract signing, it might have turned my mind a little bit. All right, all right, we'll get to that. We'll talk about that. I did think him signing the contract and the blood and Callus coming back. I thought it was a really well done angle. I thought it was a great way to go off their go home show. This is the type of stuff I feel like they need to do more often. Where was Callus anyways? He was gone from TV for a while. He said he was sitting at home or something. I know. I honestly, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I forgot that he wasn't even on the show. But where he maybe, was, I don't know. Maybe it's Scarlet Fever. I don't know. <laughs> hey, she got fired from NXT or got fired from the company. So. Do you think any chance that that she gets? Do you think that's kind of a good question? Not to go too much into it, but do you think she and Cross would even go to AEW if he's there? I don't know. No, no shot. I don't think she would go back to Impact because that was the whole the the same management is still there. I mean, Callus isn't there, but I don't know. It's a weird thing. I don't know where they end up. Oh, that, that's yeah. another thing. Before we go any further with the full gear predictions, which we'll pivot off of the Dynamite review with that, we talked about it at nauseum last week. Um, the releases, and we did the whole hour-long breakdown of each one and why they happened and who was the most disappointing, stuff like that. Any additional thoughts in the releases? And since we've talked, there have been reports on like, oh, you know, Cross was hard to work with, or he had an attitude, or yeah, Keith Lee had an attitude. I feel like we hear this shit about every top star that they should have booked better because maybe they weren't happy with, maybe Cross wasn't happy wearing a fucking Ninja Turtle mask, or Keith Lee wasn't happy about roaring like a bear out to the ring. I don't know. I mean, that, that, that would make sense to me. But any additional thoughts And you know, after what we discussed last week in regards to the latest round of releases from WWE? I mean, no. I, I feel like all that stuff comes out after the fact that they were like hard to deal with or something. That just kind of like run their name through the mud when they leave. But I don't really take too much uh, validity of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. As far as where you think these people might go, we didn't really discuss that last week. Any ideas on that? I feel like, you know, Keith Lee would be, AEW would be fucking stupid to not pick him up. Where they fit in is the question, obviously. But, like, Cross, I, I don't know. He doesn't really feel like a w, or an AEW guy to me. Um, maybe an MLW is an option. Uh, maybe Impact, but he didn't exactly end there on the best terms, so probably not. Um, but there's also the whole other, you know, bunch of other people. Ember Moon, I would love to see her in AEW or an Impact or whatever. Um, any thoughts on where you could see these men and women wind up once their 90-day non-competes are over? I mean, Keith Lee going to AEW makes the most sense. I feel like he's the biggest star. Just like you said, I don't... They have so many people now, and then they might add on more people coming up and their contracts are up, so... I don't know. I, I think he screams more AEW, but they're just is there like a spot for him right now? Like you said, we just talked about why Team Tez and Powerhouse and them aren't on TV, and you're just going to add another guy 
and then we might add on O'Reilly when he gets in the company, and then there's other people that they're not, they're not focusing on right now. So, I mean, it makes the most sense to do that, but it just feel like there's so then the, the, the roster's gonna be over like bloated to the hell, and then they'll probably have to start releasing people. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're going to reach a point where they're going to have to. And they may not release people, because from what it sounds like, what Tony Khan does is that he waits until these people's contracts expire. How long they actually sign for, I don't know. But we are coming up. It is worth noting, dude, we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of AEW. So with that being said, they might a lot of these people that signed when AEW first started, like the Sonny Kisses and the Joey Janellas and the Elite aren't going anywhere, obviously. But the rest of the roster that was there from the get-go... There's a decent chance a lot of those people may not be re-signed. Like, Awesome Kong, Mel, I think, their contracts weren't picked up. I mean, Kong couldn't really do anything, and Mel was fucking terrible. So, neither of those were real shocks. Um, but come early 2022, I would not be surprised if we heard that Janela wasn't getting renewed, and he was moving on, and people like that. I don't know if they're going to outright release people, but I, I feel like at a certain point, you got to look at your roster and say to yourself, who is worth keeping, who are we going to use, and who's probably better off going elsewhere? No, I completely agree. I, I feel like, I mean, not now looking at it, I don't think they were the greatest people to start with because I think they got more of like the Sunny Kisses, Joey Janelle, as you said. They were kind of just a raggedy tag group, just guys that get on the roster. Now they just seem fish out of water at this point with the star power that they do have and other, like, better people. So I wouldn't be surprised if once their contracts up, they let them go. Can't really think of anyone off the top of my head else. I feel like Jimmy Havoc, if he was still around, he'd probably be in that list as well. Mm-hmm. Kip um, Sabian, maybe. Kip, yeah, I, like, I feel like Kip was decent enough. I, they just He's decent. Change. I just feel like they don't have any. I don't know. I mean, he got hurt, so I don't know. Yeah, they just need to change his character from being a goofy video game playing clown, and maybe they can <laughs> turn him around. I feel like he had promise at first. Like when we went to Double or Nothing, I feel yep. he was more than Sammy Guevara was at that point. Obviously, they've done a lot more of Sammy and put him at a more prominent role, but I feel like Kip has a has way more potential than the other people we had named. I mean, Luther would be on that list, but I feel like because he's Jericho's buddy, he's probably not going anywhere either. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I want Luther. <laughs> Don't want to start World War Three here. Uh, let's get into full gear predictions for Saturday, starting with the pre-show match. Uh, just added on Wednesday's Dynamite, Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter versus Akura Shida and Thunder Rosa. Now, if it sounds random, it's because Rosa is facing Hayter in the next round of the AEW TBS Women's Championship Tournament, and Shida will be facing Nyla Rose. Uh, Shida and Rose actually faced off in full gear last year with Shida beating Rose to retain the women's title. Um, I think because Rosa is obviously beating Hayter, I feel like Sheeta might win. I feel like Rose might be Sheeta in, in the next round of the tournament. But I feel like you got to put heat on the heels. Hater loses quite a bit. So I think Nyla Rose and Hater are going to win this thing and uh, make people think that there's a chance they might actually advance in the tournament. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think you got to get heat on the heels here, have them win, put a little bit more doubt in those uh, qualifying matches. That would make the most sense. Inner Circle versus uh, American Top Team Men of the Year. We talked a little bit about this before. Not exactly our favorite angle going in AEW right now. It's going to be a Minneapolis street fight between all ten members or five members of the Inner Circle and then Junior Dos Santos, Andrea Olofsky, uh, Dan Lambert, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky. A lot of people on the MMA side that you're familiar with, of course. Um, so that's what it is. Obviously, Inner Circle wins this, and hopefully this will be over with, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, theoretically, like, now that it's a street, it's a street. That now, like looking at it, it's a street fight. Shouldn't just like American top teams bring all their MMA fighters and just beat the shit out of them and win? I mean, 
makes sense. Like, what's Paige Van Zandt or her husband going to do? Like, they should be around helping them. So, I think Inner Circle wins and we move on. But um, I kind of have, like, a small thought that, that uh, American Top Team – I mean, I think they should win. So, once, once you beat them, like, no one will care about Lambert anymore. And then what do you do with the men of the year from there? So, I think Inner Circle going to win, but I would have American Top Team win. Okay. I mean, would that maybe position – and it's also worth noting, too – do you think that would position Scorpio Sky as a potential challenger for Sammy? Because he's actually in the top five rankings. A lot of people may not realize that. I don't know how, because he hasn't. I haven't seen him have a lot of singles matches lately. But Scorpio Sky has actually been quietly built up as a single star as far as like his win-loss record. It's mostly been him and Ethan as a tag team. But I feel like him and... We, we saw Ethan and Sammy recently. I feel like we might have yet to see Sammy and Scorpio go one-on-one too. Yeah, I would like to see Scorpio Sky one-on-one with Sammy. I think that'd be a great match. Better than him and Paige. Yeah, I I like both guys. I like Scorpio a lot more than Ethan. I just feel like Scorpio, they could be doing a lot more with him. When when SCU broke up, I'm thinking, oh, great. Like, we can finally see Scorpio on his own, doing his own thing. And then he got put in another fucking tag team. So, um, I would have Inner Circle win here and then, uh, you know, hopefully just have this be over with and we can move on. So from there, let's go to another match added on Wednesday's Dynamite Tag Team Match. Pack and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black and Andrade El Idolo. I feel like this is one of the more unpredictable matches on the show. I could very much see uh, Pack and Cody winning because Cody just lost to Andrade. But then you got to think, okay, Black just lost to Cody. So Black's got to get his win back. Him and Andrade are more of a team than Pack and Cody. I don't know. I feel like this could go either way. Gun to head, I say Pack to Cody. But I could certainly see the heels winning as well. I want Black and Andrade to win. But I'm going to go with Pack and Cody. So uh, either way, what, what do you think about this match and who you see winning here, Mr. Marceau? I, I, I see where they're going here. I feel like it's just kind of – I know. I mean, there is a story there, obviously, but, I mean, honestly, who cares? I feel like Cody just needs to turn heel and we'll all just have a better life. I mean, <laughs> I, I would keep the heat on the heels. I mean, Cody did just beat Malachi. Yeah, he lost Andrade, but, like, he's smoking mirrors. He needed help to beat him, so – I, I would have the heels win here, keep them, have some momentum. I mean, Malachi's coming off a loss, so stacking losses on him isn't good. So I, I would have the heels win, but knowing them, they'll have Cody and Pack win. But I, I, I would have the heels win here. Yeah, so, so that's your pick, Pack and Cody, even though you want the heels to win? Uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'll pick Pack and Cody. I don't think that's right, but that's, that's what's going to happen. What do we think the end game is here? Obviously, the Cody Rhodes heel turn is what we want to see happen. But as far as like we've seen Cody and Andrade now, we've seen Cody and Malachi three times. I feel like they got to move on from that. They've been feuding for months. Where do we go from here? Maybe Pack and Malachi. I, don't, I just don't know what you do with Cody next. And I feel like that's a question we come up with every fucking pay per view. But that's the case here as well. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I feel like the initial feud was Pack and Andrade. They've had a few matches already. And maybe you go to Pack and Malachi, but I don't know. I feel like he should be going for more. I, I feel like realistically they built up Malachi like he was going to a TNT title picture, and then he lost to Cody, and now he's still in this feud. Maybe you can have him go after Sammy next, but I, I really don't know because he's kind of doing something else right now. But I guess the TNT title really hasn't had like a feud based around it. It's kind of just random matches. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I would have Malachi go after the TNT title next. I feel like. They built him up strong just to lose to Cody, so uh, if, if he loses here, I think he could be in trouble, but I, uh, I really don't know. I mean, Cody just seems like he's just, he'll be in a few with some random person. He'll be in a few with Dante Martin and Leo Rush, and probably, I don't know. <laughs> probably. 
he just flip flopping all over the place. He's just putting his hat in any basket open that it's the right one. And this last year has been him and Jericho have had a rough twenty twenty one. You know what, though? At least Jericho had a consistent storyline. I, I will give them that, though. Cody has just been all over the fucking place. I have never seen a more directionless top star than I have with Cody Rhodes in the last 365 days. Not wrong. So, I don't know. We'll see who wins here. It should be a great match either way, though. AEW World Tag Team titles on the line. The AAA World Tag Team Championships will not be defended. Uh, between the Lucha Bros and FTR here. Great match, I'm sure. FTR, I think, are 2-0 against the Lucha Brothers. So that, to me, tells me that the Lucha Brothers are going to win. Uh, should be an awesome match. I've actually really enjoyed the feud. I think AAA, or I think FTR doing the whole AAA thing. Oh, we're the best luchadors. I think that's a great gimmick for them. We've talked a lot before about how underutilized they were on the show, where they're finally back in a prominent role that isn't pinnacle-based or whatever. I think that's great. But, um, yeah, I've been enjoying the few. They've really done great work over the tag titles, and I think this is a match that's uh, going to be won by the Lucha Bros. I think FTR being champions again at some point should happen. Not now, though. The Lucha Bros just became champions, so I got Lucha Bros retaining. But thoughts on the feud and thoughts on the match? No, this is one of the better tag team feuds they've had lately. I feel like lately just had kind of like random one-offs. and I mean, even the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros was literally like a one-off. I didn't really have a feud going into it. Um but no, I think this has been good. Like you said, at building them up as like the greatest luchador team. It's funny. It makes sense. It's great. It's heel stuff. So I want FTR to win, but like you said, I, I just eh, I don't think they'll do it just yet for the Lucha Bros, unfortunately. So I have Lucha Bros winning here, um, but I kind of wish FTR won. But I think the story is there that FTR will lose, and they'll probably face for the AAA title somewhere down the line, and then something will happen. Maybe we'll do a winner-take-all at some point of the specials coming up. Yeah, maybe at the uh, Long Island show. I know they're building that up to be a big show, so they could always do another match there for both titles if they wanted to. Uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Ty Conti for the AEW Women's World Championship. Slam dunk win for Baker. I love that Conti's in the spot. She is the perfect person to be putting in this spot as the number one contender. It's a great filler match for Baker. Conti is very good. She's improved a lot. She's over. Perfect spot for her to be in. I like this match a lot. But Baker's winning, no doubt. Wow. No chance that Ty Conti wins. But I love the idea of her being in the spot, though. So I want to get your prediction. So you're saying no chance. If you had to say 100 out of 0, what chance does she have to win? 95 to uh, 0. as far, 95 to 5 as far as Baker to Conti. Because I feel like... Wow. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could always have... Rosa's got to be the woman to do it, dude. She's got to be the woman to beat Baker for the belt, and I feel like they're not stupid, and they've teased it. They interacted on Wednesday. I know Rosa's in the TBS women's title tournament, but I don't think she's winning that, and nor should she. I feel like it should be Ruby Soho. Um, yeah, I, I like Conti a lot. I just don't feel like it's her time right now. That's all. No, I mean, I, I, mean, I want Conti to win. She's not gonna for Baker. I think... There's, I, I would say there's more than a non-chance, like you said. I mean, I'd probably go like 75-25%, but I think Baker's going to win here. I mean, like you said, it just feels like a filler. I mean, I think Conti's been built enough to like seem like a, a reasonable threat, but I just feel like you said, I think Rosa is the one to beat her, and it's kind of been there since their match at St. Patrick's Day thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably the one that's going to knock off Britt, but... Uh, no, I think it should be a good match, and I, I, I commend them for, I mean, most of these wins were dark, but I feel like lately they've been putting Conti on TV more and making her big, seem like a bigger threat. Her and, her and Anna Jay have been featured more on TV as well, so um, this is probably one of those that I, I applaud them on 
actually giving us someone that actually deserves a title shot. Yeah, no, I've liked it. They did Baker and Anna Jay on Rampage a few weeks ago. That was a decent match. I like. What What'd you say? What about Britt Baker versus Abaddon? Nah, that was pretty terrible. I ended up watching that on... Uh, we didn't watch it in person. We left, but that was fucking terrible. Hey, Abaddon got rolled up, which means they're going to go back to it, Mr. Marceau. God. Awful. Um, but Baker and Conti should be good, though. I like that Conti's getting over. She's popular. I'm a Conti fan. We always have been here in WrestleRant Radio, so should be a good match. No chance she wins, though, <laughs> at least in my opinion. Um, we'll move on here to the final five matches. Super Click, Adam Cole and the Young Bucks take on a Christian Cage and Jurassic Express. Now, if it sounds familiar, it's because they did do the match a couple of months ago, I think at the Grand Slam show in New York. This time, though, it's Falls Count Anywhere. Now, since Cole and the Bucks won the first time, and them losing wouldn't affect Cole's record. I mean, it's a six-man tag. So I think they're doing this because the babyfaces will win. And they could always do Cole and the Christian on Dynamite and have Cole win there, obviously. But I feel like they're doing another six-man because the babyfaces need to give the heels their comeuppance and get a measure of uh, victory here. So I got Cage and Jurassic Express one in here. What about you, Mr. Marceau? Comeuppance? I mean, Christian just gave Cole a concerto. <laughs> but before that, though, they lost every single match they had to these guys. Prior to that, though, that's they why. Just knocked, yeah, but they knocked the heat off the heels. They just gave him a concerto and made him tap out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, if the heels win, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it, I think it's fine. I think this match is another match that can go either way. But I think the baby face. I think they're doing another six man because the baby faces will win. I don't. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I think the false count anywhere adds to like more shenanigans. Maybe we get the Good Brothers somewhere. Oh god, where the fuck have those clowns been? Bears are awful, but <laughs> maybe Bobby Fish. Maybe get a little Bobby Fish action in here. I mean, I don't know. I, I got the super quick winning. I mean, I like Jurassic Express, but I mean, I feel like they've cooled off a shit ton, and I feel like Super Click's more important. They should go over, keep Adam Cole. On the winner circle. Ah, big Adam Cole fan. So we can get, I don't know, Red Dragon and Young Bucks at some point. Or, I mean, I guess you could have them lose, and then he can just, like, eventually when they break off, he can be like, every time we lost, it was because of you. Like, you ruined, like, he can blame it on them, saying, like, that's, like, he's not supposed to be losing matches, and the reason they lost was because of them. I don't know. Oh, you're saying with Cole and the Bucks? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say you could apply that exact same logic to Cage and Jurassic Express and have Cage turn on Jungle Boy, because I feel like that's inevitable, too. Yeah, that's true as well. I mean, I guess either way it would work, but I feel like Cole... Really cool needs to split off from them more than than than. I mean, Cage does nothing. So I mean, either, I mean, both guys need to split off realistically. But yeah. I mean, I don't see Cole split off right now. Yeah, I'd rather see Undisputed Era versus Elite with uh, Cole breaking off and saying, hey, you guys kicked me out of the group. I didn't forget. Fuck you. Here's Fish. Here's O'Reilly. Strong is under lock and key to NXT for a while, so probably not him. But, hey, like I said, take my money. I would love to see it. Uh, we move along here to Darby Allen versus MJF. Uh, kicking off the uh, marquee matches here on the show. I think this is going to be a really, really good match. The Two of four pillars, as they call themselves in AEW, Allen and MJF. Both guys are coming off of losses at All Out, which is why I think it's a bit more unpredictable as to who could go over here. My pick is MJF, just because even more so than Allen, MJF has not won a lot on pay-per-view in the last year and a half. He's only lost, it's weird, he's lost two singles matches ever in AEW. 
But in the last year on pay-per-view, he lost it all out to Jericho. He lost a double or nothing inner circle. He lost to the Bucks back at Revolution. He beat Jericho last year full gear, but he lost to Moxley at all out. So he's he's lost far more than he's won. I feel like he needs the win. Have him win. Allen can always bounce back. He could lose to a fucking broomstick and he'd be still over. People love Darby Allen. You can always have Allen beat MJF at some other point in the next couple weeks, next month, another point down the road, do a rematch. You could do a tag team match, MJF and Wardlow versus Sting and Allen. There's a lot of things you can do. But I feel like MJF is the right guy to go over here to prolong the program and to give MJF some more heat because I feel like he needs the rebound from that loss to Jericho a lot more than Allen needs the rebound of that loss to CM Punk. Oh, I completely agree. I think MJF has to win here. Like you said, losing to Jericho, it just like he looks even worse. <laughs> you were literally Jericho after he beat him like a hundred times and then Moxley and Moxley was the champion at that time, so it didn't look as bad, but yeah, that that Jericho, like that's like a stain on his record, losing to Jericho. But Jericho oh, went on to uh oh wait, he went on to feud with uh, let me check my notes, inner circle, or American top team rather. It made no sense. He had no reason to win there. It did nothing for Jericho. It was stupid. He went right into a group feud. <laughs> uh, like you said, I think they could have like MJF win here. They want Darby to get a win. You could have him and I guess against Wardlow and MJF. I don't know. I don't really want to see that. But he, like you said, he could lose, and I think people will still still care about him. MJF, you need to keep the heat on him. If you keep piling up losses, he just seems like a, a dickhead that has no weight to stand on. I don't want to see it, but I feel like there's a chance they might have Wardlow and MJF tease tension, and that's why MJF loses, and they build the split between the two, which, again, I feel like is coming sooner rather than later, but I wouldn't do it on Saturday, so I hope that's not the case. No, yeah, I mean, maybe they can tease tension at some point, and MJF still wins, and you still kind of get the further in there, but, I mean, I, I don't want that to happen anytime soon. I feel like MJF has brighter things right now than the, I mean, I just like, even if, so saying that you have the breakup, and you have Wardlow beat I just feel like there's no room right now for Wardlow to break out. Like, there's way more important babyface right now that you, you would put over him. So, I like Wardlow, but I just don't think the time's right just right now. Yeah, I just, yeah, I wouldn't pull the trigger at 11 o'clock, maybe at 12 o'clock, if that makes sense. We're very close, but I wouldn't do it right now. Um, that being said, we'll move on to CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. This one's a bit more clear-cut, I think. I love the promo last week on Rampage, the verbal exchange. I thought it was great. Um, I think that was last week. They all kind of blend together, but they had a great verbal exchange then. Match one-on-one set for full gear. It's great to finally have Punk in a full-fledged feud for the first time in a you know since he came to AEW. Kingston's a great guy for this spot. The problem with Kingston is that he never wins when it matters most. And I wouldn't have him win here either. I wouldn't be upset by any means. A lot of these outcomes, I wouldn't be upset if the other person won. Um, that's kind of like the beauty of AEW, because mostly everyone is over for the most part. Kingston, him winning is fine. I just wouldn't have Punk's first loss come in the hands of Eddie Kingston. If you want to have... I don't know, I would prolong the feud and do more with these two beyond this show. Eddie Kingston's another guy that can take the loss and absorb it, and he's fine. But I don't know, he's another one of those guys where he needs to win a big match eventually. This year alone, he's lost to Pack, he's lost to Lance Archer, he's lost to Danielson, he lost to Miro at All Out, he's lost to the Bucks a few times. He needs a big win, I don't think he gets it here, but either way, I feel like we can see a Long Island street fight maybe on Dynamite in a couple of weeks when they go to Long Island. Either way, don't want this to be it for the feud, but I still do feel like Punk will win, and he should win on Full Gear. Yeah, I completely agree. Um... I like Eddie Kingston a lot, like you said. I feel like he, if he had the right booking behind him, I feel like he could honestly be one of the top guys in the company. I feel like he has a lot of people behind him. He's different. 
Um, but like you said, every time it matters, he's like Braun Strowman. Like every time it matters the most, he loses. Yep. Uh, and he hasn't really won a lot. He's won, He hasn't won anything big lately. Him beating Punk would seem very random. I mean, doesn't seem like it fits the story right now. I mean, if he was built up, maybe. I just, no, I don't think so. I think Punk wins here. I think it'll be a great match, but they need. They really need to do more with Eddie Kingston. I, I mean, I wasn't. I saw him in, in uh, the NWA when I watched Power a little bit. I kind of liked him there, and I mean, when he was with Butcher and Baker and all those clowns, I mean. <laughs> Definitely didn't help him at all, but since he's growing up with Moxley and kind of gone on his own, I feel like he's kind of made a little bit more strides and the crowd cares about him a little bit more, and I, I, I think he should win more, but I think he's losing to Punk here. Yeah, I think it's an easy win for Punk. Do you want to see this feud continue, though, beyond the pay-per-view? Definitely. I don't know what else you do with Kingston after this. Finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Uh, finals here between Brian Danielson and Miro. Now, that was a spot originally occupied, as we thought, probably, by John Moxley. It certainly wasn't going to be Orange Cassidy. Um, he had to pull out due to personal reasons. We talked about that last week. I would have said Brian Danielson. If it was Moxley and Danielson, I felt like it was an obvious answer to have Danielson win. And then a loss for Moxley would drive him to turn heel. Miro already is a heel. And depending on what happens in the main event... I don't know. I've said for weeks Danielson's winning. Danielson's winning. But the Miro thing kind of throws a wrench into things. Not a bad wrench. I think Miro winning would be fucking awesome, to be honest with you. And if Danielson's going to lose to anyone, his first loss in the company, he's not one of those guys that needs to be undefeated. But if he's going to lose to anyone, Miro's a great choice. And Miro's coming off the loss of the AEW TNT title, so a win here for him would be great. I don't know, man. I think this could really go either way. I'm very skeptical. My, I want to say Miro. I got to stick with my original prediction, though, and say Danielson. But I think there's a strong chance, especially if Paige wins in the main event, which we'll get to momentarily. I think Miro could win, and Miro and Paige can be a great main event on Dynamite. But I want to hear your thoughts and who you think might win here. I mean, but going into this, like you said, I thought Brian would win, Moxie would turn heel, and then you could kind of keep them busy there. But. <sighs> Mirrors in it. I feel like the only way you can get away with Brian losing, there has to be some kind of shenanigans, someone getting involved. I really just don't know who you would do right away and who would make sense. So I feel like Miro, I don't hate Miro winning, but you'd need someone to like kind of screw Brian over. You can't just have him lose to Miro, I feel like. Because then it would just like, it just wouldn't feel the same. Brian would need to be occupied for a reason for him to lose. And I don't know. I mean, I don't hate, like, you can either have him win and like something come up and kind of prolong it and something. I just feel like if you're going to have him win, should his first loss come to Hangman? Like probably not. So yeah, I'm I'm leaning, I'm leaning Brian. But if Miro wins, I, I there has to be like some shenanigans going on. Like someone get involved so it keeps Brian occupied in the interim, and then he can somehow get his way back in the title picture. But if he wins, I just. Is he going right against Hangman? Like, I mean, obviously it makes sense, but... Or it could be him and Omega again. I don't know. Yeah, Paige and Danielson just, like, it sounds like a huge match that... I mean, you could save it for Revolution, which they probably should, but then again, it's like four months away, so I don't know what you'd do with those guys if Danielson wins. I'm going to say Danielson. I think Danielson and Paige on... Like, a, you know, they did Omega and Danielson on TV. You could do Danielson and Paige on TV, assuming Paige wins. But on that note, let's get right into it. Adam Page, Kenny Omega... Uh, for the AEW World Championship, we waited a long time for this. This has been over two years in the making, from their opener match last year that Omega won 
to uh, you know become the number one contender, go on to become champion, to now main eventing the same show one year later. Page had a great character arc, and I think it's cool. You know, in retrospect, I think it's nice they they held off. I mean, they didn't really have much of a choice on Page and Omega not being at all out. I would like to have seen it in person, selfishly, but the fact they're waiting till full gear to wait the full year for Omega's title reign to reach that one year point nearly, and for the one year anniversary of their match, I think it's cool. I think in retrospect they they made the right choice. No. No, you don't agree. I think Page was as hot as going into All Out. and I mean, I think he's over now, but I mean, I think he was a lot more over going into All Out before he left. I agree. I mean, obviously they didn't have a choice with him leaving because that was a personal thing. Uh, Timing-wise, the thing, the thing is, though, dude, the thing is, I wouldn't have even teased the thing with Moxley and... And Mo- not Moxley, Page and Omega going into All Out. I feel like he was at his hottest. I agree with you. I think he was hotter then than he is now, by a little bit. The biggest difference, though, I think, is that because they they teased it the first time and then they took it away, and then you give it to people the second time, it's not as special. That's why I feel like if they have Page lose here, then he's he's not done. But I feel like they'd be incredibly <laughs> stupid. Um, I don't know. I just feel like they shouldn't have even teased Page going for the title at All Out. I feel like they should have held out and do have him do another feud. Obviously, if he was going to be taken out the show, maybe he just gets attacked by the Elite. But we were all of the mindset they were going to do the match until they didn't. So I feel like that was the problem where they went wrong there. Yeah, I feel like they gave us blue balls there. I mean, exactly, we all, like, yeah. We all wanted it, and then they just took it away. It's like giving us a steak, and they're just taking it right off the plate. And then when they uh, give it back to you, you still like it, but it's not as special as it was when you were first looking forward to it. Exactly. So, I mean, it's still going to mean a lot, obviously. It still means a lot now, and it means, you know, it, it's not as bad as if they have Paige lose here and then go back to it in, like, Paige's hometown. Like, the WWE bookers were coming out of the woodworks this week on Twitter as far as fans go, saying, oh, you can have Paige win and then lose in their hometown, or which is coming up in, like, a week or two. Or you can have Paige lose and then win it in his hometown or have him win at the December show. Like, no, 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 no. It is on this show. Coming off of that angle, what we saw on Wednesday, Paige has to win here. He has to. I'm not saying he'd be dead and buried if he doesn't, but I just feel like it would be stupid. How many times have we said for five, six, seven years, Mr. Marceau, on this very show, you got to strike when the iron is hot. They couldn't strike in August or September, whenever All Out was, but they got to strike now. So I know you said Omega was going to be winning originally. Have you changed your mind since then? So, after going into Wednesday night, I, I figured o- Omega's going to win here. Okay. After the contract signing, I have changed my mind, and I think Hangman's going to win. Wow, I mean, okay. booking one, going into the main, like, he got his ass kicked. I mean, Omega's got the upper hand, normally going into the Bay View, booking one-on-one, Hangman wins here. I mean, I think he should have won. I think he should win. I just fear for, like, the other big names that they might keep him away because they have the Brian Danielsons and CM Punks right now, and... I feel like they are a bigger name right now than than Hangman, and I mean their ratings have been tanking, so maybe putting a championship on one of them would make more sense. But I mean, at this point, you, after what they did on Wednesday night, I think Hangman has to win. If not, I mean, I don't think he's dead in the water, but he's in trouble. Yeah, I just feel like it would be really dumb. I feel like if you were to have him lose here, and then to put more heat on Omega, how much heat can this guy get? I mean, they're, they're the top heel faction in the fucking company. I feel like if you were to do that, dude, and then do a rematch, because Paige is winning no matter what. I really don't think Danielson would win, and then Omega's... I really don't think Tony Khan is dumb enough to have Danielson be the one to take the title. That would send the wrong message. It would be stupid. I don't think he would do that. I feel like 
if Paige is going to be the guy to take the belt from Omega, it has to be here. Because if they do the rematch, it's even more obvious that Paige is going to win. So, like, when Paige wins, it's like, okay, cool. You know, I'm happy with it, but it really should have happened the first time. I feel like now on Saturday, the fact that we're even discussing who's going to win and the fact that it can go either way is a great thing. Because it, it's going to make that pinfall when he hopefully kicks out of the one-winged angel and then picks up the win with the Buckshot Larry, I mean, that much more. Because we didn't know if he was going to win going in, which is why I feel like he has to win here. Yeah, I mean, definitely the doubt is definitely what makes it more intriguing. Like you said, it makes it more, it makes it more intriguing because you don't know. Like normally, sometimes you're like, oh, he's definitely gonna win. So yeah, it is special, but it's not as like special when it happens. Like even when Becky Lynch wrestled one at WrestleMania 35, like there was a doubt that like Charlotte could win or uh, Ronda Rousey could retain there. I mean, I thought like it kind of pointed that Becky was gonna win, but yep. I mean, yep. knowing them, like Charlotte easily could have won and. I mean, we thought uh, Sasha was going to win at WrestleMania 32, and they laughed in our face. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It, it is. It is. I do think it's better when yes, you want the babyface to win, but there is some doubt that the heel could come out and win, and you're worried about that. But I mean, if if he kicks out the one winning Andrew and hits him with the with the buckshot and wins, I mean, I might jump through the movie theater to scream. <laughs> I was going to say, you got to bring an extra pair of pants. He's got to. you got to do it here. If it's not Paige, then who is going to kick out of the one-winged angel? It's the most protected move in all of wrestling. you got to do it here. It has to be on this show. Um, and I think Paige should kick out. No, no bullshit either. If you want to get the elite involved a little bit, dude, fine. But I really don't want this to become all about the smoke and mirrors. I don't think anyone should cost Omega the championship. I saw people saying, oh, Adam Cole should cost him the title. Then it becomes about Adam Cole. Like, I feel like Paige's win has got to come clean. If you want to get the elite inner circle, not elite uh, inner circle, but like elite and, and the fucking dark order bullshit out of the way early, that's fine. Like, the, what they did with Jericho and MJF at All Out I thought was perfect as far as like the interference being limited goes. I feel like they got to do the same thing here, and Paige has got to win clean. It's got to be that moment, because this is what we've been building for. You can't fuck this up. You can't Starcade 1997, this bullshit. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully that's what happens. My money's on Hangman, and if so, I told you, Mr. Marcel, bring an extra pair of pants, because you're probably going to need it. I will pack an extra pair of pants. (laughs) I look forward to it. And that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's WrestleRant Radio, November 11, 2021. Like I said, new episodes every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and uh, Podbean. New episodes every single Thursday. So rate, uh, review, subscribe, all that stuff greatly appreciated. And we'll be back next week with a full-on review of Full Gear in addition to predictions for Survivor Series and everything else in between. Hopefully we don't have more releases before then. Hopefully I don't get owned again on Twitter by another top-tier WWE superstar. That would be nice. But I look forward to seeing you, Mr. Marcel, before then on Saturday for Full Gear at the movie theater. It's going to be a great night. Can't wait. Look forward to Mr. Marceau's safe travels. I'll catch your ass in 48 hours. Have a good one, Mr. Marcel. I'll talk to you then. Later, GSM. Later, GSM.